Hey guys, welcome to the Morning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so today is going to be a uh, kind of a solo episode here. I know, you know, it's more interesting when I've got guests on, but um, I don't know, I kind of wanted to go through a few things before season. So I'm recording this at the end of August, and our season here in Minnesota opens up in two weeks. I think on the 16th, I believe it is. So... It might be a little late for this type of episode. I'm not sure. Maybe it is, maybe not. But, um, you know, it's always kind of good to go through and do a, what is a, like a, a pre-season, pre-hunting season check, right? Checklist. What are you going to use? Um, what are you not going to use? Some things to think about, some things to maybe get last minutes. Hopefully it's not last minute for you guys. Um, but if you're one of those procrastinators, maybe here's some things that you might want to think about so that, uh, I don't know if you head out into the woods, you're not going to be, you're not going to be left without, or you're not going to have some sort of like gear failure or, or things like that. So we're going to talk about that. And then uh, kind of in the second half of this, I want to get into, um, just, just hunting philosophy a little bit in general, um, as far as being able to get out, being able to do things and taking advantage of the opportunities that are available to you. And, you know, not procrastinating on those things and just, just kind of pulling the trigger and doing it because, you know, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. So we're going to get into it here. All right. So the first thing I want to get into here is what our bow setup is going to be, or at least at least my, what my bow setup is going to be. So, um, you know, nothing new here. I'm probably going to, you know, I've got my choice of three, right? I've got my, my Grizzly, I've got my, my ASL, my St. Patrick Lake, and I have uh, the Elkhart. Um, I keep wanting to say I'm going to commit to just one bow for season and just hunt with that. And, you know, I walk by the rack of bows, they're kind of hanging there, they're beautiful, they're called to me, and I just can't, I can't, I can't just pick one. And I can shoot each one, um, so they all shoot different, or you shoot them differently, but I can be just as accurate with either one of them, um, that doesn't mean that they're, they're pinpoint accurate in my hands, but... I can be on a good day just as accurate with with any individual one of them. It's just they shoot differently, right? So basically, what I'm saying, it's all me. It's not the bow, and that's that's part of um, the, the the concept here. I'm trying I'm trying to get across in this podcast. Maybe it's a little bit scatterbrained. I apo- apologize, but <clears throat> and I just put out a, a a video recently about. Um, just being able to shoot the bow you have, right? I mean, I'm lucky enough to be able to, to afford a couple really nice custom bows, um, but you don't you don't necessarily need that, right? I mean, we, we've seen, we've heard it a thousand times before. If you want to get out in the field with a hand-me-down bow, uh, a used bow, a um, you know, one, like like a black hunter or something from off of Amazon or Samick Sage or whatever, you can go out and do that. You don't you don't need the high high end fancy um, everything just to be able to set foot in the woods. Is it nicer when you do because you have more? Um, I, I don't know if you had the bow built to your specs and you had it built you know to the the way you want it to look. Of course it is, right? But to actually get out and enjoy hunting, like I mean, it, given the choice between staring at a beautiful bow and actually hunting with a not beautiful bow, I'm going to take hunting with a not beautiful bow hands down any day of the week, right? It's about getting out there. It's about doing it. So, um, j- just whatever bow you have, just just be good with it. Just practice with it, <clears throat> and don't necessarily just chase, um, you know, the latest and greatest and all that stuff. Now. I gotta admit, I'm I'm kind of uh, I I jump around a lot. I jump around a lot on on stuff with with gear and testing gear and things like that. Mostly because I like doing that, and it's not because I think something's gonna give me some sort of like 
grand advantage that uh, is going to you know supersede anything I'm going to get as far as like actually spending time in the woods and increasing you know your woodsmanship skills, right? Woodman woodsmanship skills are going to be way, 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 way more important than any piece of gear um, that you're going to buy. Uh, un unless, you know, I, I don't know, I, maybe, maybe there's not an unless, right? Unless it's an absolutely vital item or something like that. But there's a lot of things we set foot in the woods with that are nice to haves, um, that are pieces of equipment that may work a little bit better or a little bit easier or might be a little bit lighter or a little, or what have you than, than what we currently have. But that doesn't mean that what you currently have is not going to work, okay? So... The point is just just to get out in the woods, right? So anyway, uh, bow. It's going to be like I said, one of one of those three. Um, you know, arrows and tune. You know, they're all tuned. Um, I've got. Uh, I'm pretty much shooting gold tip traditionals out of all of my bows, and some of the arrow setups. And I know I've heard comments before that that just doesn't doesn't seem. Um, they're like. Because I'm, I'm I'm not shooting very heavy bows, right? I'm shooting, for example, let's start with the ASL. I'm shooting like 44 to 45 pounds, 27 inch, and I'm shooting a 32 inch arrow out of that with I think like three, no, 275 total up front. Now, do I want to be shooting a 32 inch arrow? No, I don't like full length arrows. Um, said it before, they're too long. Uh, you know, it just the, the arrows are too long. They just all gangly and stuff. I don't like shooting them that big. You set the arrow down. I'm sorry, you set the bow down on its tip, you lean it against the tree, and the knocks get packed full of dirt and stuff because they're so long. But I, I, I'm still working and still t try, uh, tuning after a year and a half, and maybe I'm just terrible at it. I don't know. That's what if somebody listening to this is going to be like, Emery, you probably suck at tuning, which I don't, but um, that's, what, that's what might come across here. But this is the arrow combination that I found where it actually hits where I want it to look. Um, and not hit somewhere else. So if I shoot a shorter arrow, I would love to shoot a 30-inch arrow. If I shoot a 30-inch arrow, no matter how I weaken the spine, no matter how, uh, you, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, what, what spine range and stuff I use, what tip weight I use, I don't know if it's just the way, the timing of how the arrow is flexing around the riser, um, you know, because it's obviously it's doing that paradox thing, and depending on where it is and its paradox versus where it is, where the string is, where um, how close it is to the riser, that the arrow, uh, the back of the arrow feathers. I'm not sure, but or, or when it actually leaves my string, you know, um, I end up hitting more often than I like left with that bow. It's not center cut. Obviously, the arrow's pointed way out outboard anyway compared to uh, a, a more modern recurve or more center cut recurve. Um, so it's already having to kind of curve around and get around that riser more so than any other bow. So the, I, I can shoot a, weak, a weaker arrow, a weaker spine, shorter arrow in, a, in, a, in like a 600 rather than a 500. But I still, every now and then, I hit to the left. And it's very frustrating when I do that. This is the only arrow combo where I'm actually hitting dead straight down the pipe. Now, it weighs 580 grains. My point on is like 17 or 18 yards, I think, with this with this uh, combo, which is fine. Um, I'm not that great out to 20 anyway, okay? Uh, 15 and under, I, I kind of want it to be my world, not a problem. But when I do everything right, this this is the most forgiving combo that I have. 
and, and this is part of um, the, the, the kind of uh, the di- di- dichotomy of this, right, is I want, it to be, I want it to be done. I want it to be simple. I don't want to be chasing things all the time, but I'm still going to be chasing tune no matter what. I'm still going to want, you know, someday I'm going to end up with a shorter arrow for that bow that hits where I want instead of hitting like high and left or something like that or, or, or left in, in general. Um, so anyway, there's that, right? But I'm heading into it with a lot of confidence because with the setup that I have, um, I am shooting an A standard uh, on, on the front end of that. And uh, the razor sharp, I got him razor, razor sharp, shaving sharp, good to go. I'm happy, full confidence, and I'm going to head, head into the field with that. Uh, the cart. same thing. I am shooting a very heavy arrow with that. I'm shooting a 633 grain arrow, um, total weight. Why? Uh, that is also a 500. 600s for me with that, with that bow um, do not, well, they tune out. I can get them to tune out, but they end up being too light. And if I don't have a heavy enough arrow, if I'm anywhere under 600 grains or 580 some grains or whatever, that bow hits high for me. It just does. That's just, I don't know what's the, if it's the design, if it's the, 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 the grip, it's the, whatever, the whole, the whole, everything that makes it what it is, it hits high for me. It's a fast bow. I mean, it's not a screamer, but it's a fast bow. But, um, and I can get away with a lot more lot more weight on that. I think the point on, on that bow is like 20, I'm going to say 23, 24 yards, maybe, maybe 25. I'm not sure with even that heavy and arrow. It's just the way, you know, the, the grip is the way the sight picture is all, all that stuff. Um, am, am I concerned that it's a, like a crazy heavy arrow for, if I'm lucky, I'm pulling 43. Like when I'm actually pulling back, touching feather to nose and expanding just a little more, I'm, I'm pulling just over 43 pounds on that. Um, and I, I don't have the calculator in front of me here to do the the grain the uh, um, uh, grains per pound uh, calculation on that, but it's heavy. It's close to like I think it's like fourteen fifteen for 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 both of those uh, both of those uh, bows. And do I care? No, because it flies great. Now, um, someone who shoots maybe with a little different style, a little more instinctive, um, can you know, not reference the, the, the tip of that arrow or see the tip of that arrow. Um, they can shoot, they can shoot whatever they want because they're not necessarily seeing that. And they're just, you know, burning a hole in the spot and all that stuff. And I kind of do, you know, a little mixed version of all of it, right? A, a, a feels good sight picture kind of thing. But if you, you know, happen to shoot a different style, then whatever arrow weight, that you choose, that you're happy with, and the trajectory that you choose, maybe you can make that work. I can't make it work, right? And that's the beauty of this, is we all kind of come to the most comfortable, forgiving, most confidence-inspiring setup, um, you know, depending on our needs, depending on how we shoot, and uh, depending on our sight picture, all that stuff, right? So that being said, I've got, you know, pretty nice heavy arrows for both of those setups on the grizzly too. the grizzly i'm shooting like barely over 40 pounds on that one it's a pretty light bow um not a screamer at all not very fast but it's uh it's it's a great shooting bow i love that thing i love carrying it um and that i believe is a 560 grain arrow on that one again i'm not looking for crazy distance um just looking for something to tune and I think on that one, I went with old school uh, Zwicky Eskimos. I had them sitting around. Um, I ran out of A standards because they're on my other two bows. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go. It's an old school bow. I'm just going to go old school Zwickys. All these, again, shaving sharp. I love them. 
Uh, I'm gonna head to the head to the field with them. So that's gonna be my that's gonna be my setup. Now the takeaway for this is like Emra, I don't really care about your setup. You know what? You know, sick of hearing about your stuff. Well, the takeaway from this is all of these things that I talked about are ready to go, right? I have my bow is my bows are ready to go. I have spare strings that are shot in and ready to go. And those st spare strings are in a baggie um, that are going to be in my in my hunting pack, uh, depending on you know which bow I'm going to take. Both both of the both extra strings are in like one baggie, right? I have I have one for the elk cart and one for uh, the ASL, and it's just going to go in whatever hunting pack I happen to be taking, but. You know, have that ready to go. Have your spare tab. Have a spare tab ready to go and shot in. I just finished shooting in another one from uh, Omnivores, right, from uh, Mark Harrison. Uh, loving those tabs. I'm going back and forth between uh, that one and the Fred Eichler tab uh, from Three Rivers. I love both of those tabs. Super good. But have one as a backup or ready to go in your pack and then you don't have to worry about it like now is the time to be like getting all that stuff together uh putting all putting your 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 your, your your kill kit your emergency kit whatever you, is going to be in that pack your backup stuff uh whether you're going to do like like fire starters and you're going to do um you know extra batteries or compass or knives sharpened or whatever all that stuff all the stuff that needs to be done do it now right and then and then put it away and just be done with it and not worry about it at the very very last uh last last minute are your, are your broadheads sharpened right um all, well, I have a few still left to do for the uh, the, the Zwickies, but all my all, all my broadheads, all my A standards are sharpened. They're crazy, crazy sharp. They're ready to go. They've got a thin coat of Vaseline on them, um, and they're they're put away, or at least in in a uh, in an arrow tube, and they're sitting there ready to go, ready for season. Right? I'm not switching back and forth, taking heads on and off, on and off, and you know, uh, between uh, field points and um, uh, broadheads. I have. Uh, you know, an extra set of arrow, multiple arrows, whatever. And if I just feel like shooting, you know, field points, you know, between now and the start of season, that's fine. I'm not swapping back and forth. Everything is clocked the way I want it to be clocked. Um, the, the, like the feather orientation, uh, you know, which direction the cock feathers uh, facing and the exact or exact like minute kind of clocking of that, because that's important to me uh, when I'm doing feather to nose, right? It has to kind of hit consistently in the same spot um, on my face for it to be, you know, uh, so so it's more for repeatability. I like a certain sight picture with the with the broadhead. Are those clocked perfectly? All these things. Do them now. And by the way, shoot your broadheads. Shoot your broadheads. Get out. Get out somewhere. Go buy. Go buy a target. Go to a range where they where they have a broadhead target. Shoot your broadheads and shoot all your broadheads. Every single one of them. Right. Obviously, before you go sharpening them. Right. But put them on. Do all that stuff. Go out. Shoot your broadheads. Shoot every single arrow to make sure you don't have one kind of wonky errant. Uh, arrow that uh, some for some reason needs like spine indexing or something like that right at least that way you'll know now you know you know these these arrows are good these shafts are good and then this one may you know may need to turn it uh, you know a third of a turn or a quarter turn or whatever it is right so do that stuff now get it done sharp put it away ready for season um, pack so uh, I'm jumping back and forth still between uh, my Kuyu Venture 1800 and my uh, Kafaru um, door gunner. They don't make the door gunner anymore, and I'm kind of pissed that uh, they haven't come out with. I'm gonna say it, guys. Kafaru has no clue when it comes to um, whitetail hunting packs, right? 
they just don't. It's just it, they they try and try and or or maybe they don't try. I don't know. And I know this is heresy or whatever to say that, but they just they have no clue. Um, they need to build a pack. I would love to have Kafaru build a pack that Kuyu designs because Kuyu gets it right. Kuyu has the right organization. They've got the right um, size. They've got the right pocket configuration. Everything on it is great. I just wish Kafaru built it because the Kafaru builds just crazy, uh, heavy-duty, tough packs that I trust way more uh, than Kuyu in the field as far as zippers go, stitching goes, that kind of stuff. But the door gunner is a thousand cubic inch. It's not big enough. I would love to have something that if I go shoot something, I'd be able to just pack it out all in one shot, right? And still be able to strap my stand or um, sticks or anything else to that. Now you're going to say, well, they have the striker XL. Um, I don't want to be carrying a frame pack. I don't want to carry a frame pack. And a striker XL is the same thing. Um, it doesn't have the right organization. Um, it just, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it drives me nuts. And, and Kafaru pockets like any of the stretchy pockets and i'm using air quote quote stretchy pockets here like the side pockets for the nalgene bottles and things like that or the inside um any of the organizer pockets that have an elastic opening the elastic on those things is an absolute joke they don't they don't stretch at all they stretch like a quarter inch and then like that's it so any kind of thing that you're going to stick in there and i've done a couple of videos on this by the way between on the door gunner and the shape charge go look it up on the youtube channel um my frustrations with this uh they have big giant like openings like big maws right that that don't snap shut like there's no elastic cord that actually closes the opening or encloses around whatever you happen to be putting in the pockets so technically the elastic is inelastic but it's kind of like those like 10 year old pair of underwear where the elastic on the outside is still technically in, called an elastic but this long since lost its elasticity that's what it is it's so frustrating um that's why i got rid of the shape charge um you got those big two big giant pockets on the outside that are nalgene bottle pockets maybe not all of us carry 32 ounce nalgene bottles maybe some of us would just like to have like a damn gatorade bottle fit in there and not fall out of a giant opening that has a joke for an elastic uh you know enclosure on the outside uh, or at least have some sort of shock cord or draw cord or something like that to enclose around the bottle I'm just simple, simple stuff. Why would I head into the woods and have stuff potentially fall out of a giant opening? It makes no sense. Um, and, that, and that kind of stuff carries on through the inside of the pack. Any of the organizer pockets that are open, that, that aren't zippered, they have the same elastic on there. They don't snap shut at all. Useless. If you have an organizer pocket and your pack goes on its side or you flip the lid over one way or another when you're opening the front, all the stuff just comes out. It's, 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 it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I don't understand the design philosophy. And I don't like having to do play Mr. Potato Head with um which is what it is you know you buy uh you know a small you know a, a, a belt small belt pouch and a medium belt pouch and you put this one over here and this one over here and oh we got pals webbing well you know what maybe i don't want to do that because sometimes it comes loose out of that webbing and you know one of those um you know pals you know straps or whatever the, the, the clips or whatever it goes through comes out i had that problem with uh with the shape charge why not have integrated pockets why not have it be more sleek and organized and zippered uh like kuyu does it but kuyu um in their infinite wisdom they discontinued uh the, the, the venture 1800 and the 2300 um and they went with this venture divide nonsense it looks like a book bag you're going to take to like like you know your uh, senior year of high school it just it's ridiculous um 
I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Now, the only the only pack I might actually consider looking around um, is that Mystery Ranch uh, Pintler. Yes, it is a frame uh, one, but I mean, it fits my kind of desires, I guess, best. I don't know. I don't know if I want to spend money this year on another pack. I really don't. Um, but, you know, I want something like 2,000 cubic inch, maybe 2,100, something around there that size. I want it, I want it robust. I want um, to be able to pack meat in it. I want to be able to strap stuff to the outside of it. If the game bags and things like that, um, uh, my, my stand and sticks and one, I, I'd like for the option to be, if I go in once, I come out once, right? I don't want to have to go back and forth, um, you know, and hey, in my case, it, it hardly ever happens, right? I mean, who are we kidding? I don't shoot a lot of stuff, but doesn't mean I, I don't want the, you know, the, the option and the ability to be able to do all that when I want to be able to do it, right? Just get it in, get it out. Um, I don't pack light. I try, but especially here, um, when we get anywhere near mid-season, you know, you got to have different layers. You got to pack different layers. You got to have a, uh, maybe like another insulation or like an outer shell with you. Then you got to have maybe like a hat or two. Um, I got a, I small game hunt a lot too. So if my deer hunt or whatever turns into a small game hunt, I don't always want to be wearing like the, um, uh, uh, the, the hunter orange right vest or something like that but I need to keep that in there um, for when I do decide to hey I'm, I'm hunting squirrels now go in there take it out put it on right that's got to come with me I take uh, I go through water water and Gatorade a lot so I need you know I, I'm not taking food and things like that and I'm not taking a ton of extra stuff but even the stuff that I've whittled down to like what I consider to be the bare minimums I still need a pack for that. I've tried doing the um, very, very minimal, go in with like a hip pack or something like that, um, like the push archery, um, uh, the, the, the side quiver uh, pack, you know. Um, I've tried that. I just, I, I can't get by with the things. It's too heavy, right? It's too much. I can't fit enough stuff in it. Um, and I, if, if I was hunting in my back 40 and I'm literally walking like 100, 200 yards into the woods, fine, absolutely, not a big deal. But I'm on public land and I'm going for miles and I'm, I just, I can't do it with, with like a super small, small pack. So um, anyway, that's my rant about, about the packs. So somebody build, please somebody build uh, a good, really quality, heavy duty, robust pack. It's about 2000 cubic inch that is organized as well as that Kuyu Venture, but is built like a Kafaru. If someone can do that, I would be forever, forever grateful. So anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, stands. Um, I recently, well, okay, so I've got the Novix Hilo. I've got it modified a little bit. I've got the seat modified uh, on the left side so that I have a little more clearance um, for my lower limb. Now the seat on the Novix and you know the Lone Wolf, whatever um, before they were before they were Novix, they're absolutely giant. They're gigantic. They're too wide. They don't need to be that big. Um, so I cut my seat down like significantly. You know, went to the old uh, jigsaw scroll saw. You know, I I, I took it. I, I cut out you know some of the, um, uh, the the casting there on the outside. And by the way, anytime you're gonna modify anything, I got to put this um, disclaimer out there. Just you know, you, you are taking your own risk, right? Don't, don't take my word for it, but, uh, this is just a seat. Nothing else is structurally, uh, a compromised, but, um, I just, I, I just, basically it's like my left butt cheek, the outer side of it part basically got, got cut out. Um, and it's helped a lot. It helps, you know, if, if the, if the tree trunk is actually bigger or wider than the seat itself or the stand itself, then it's a moot point, right? I mean, you got the tree to contend with, but if you're, if you're standing in a thinner tree, uh, that doesn't have a giant trunk, then um, 
the, the tree is not going to be a clearance issue, then the clearance issue is going to be that seat. So I cut the, uh, a, a good chunk of that uh, out. You'll probably see pictures of that, um, you know, online or Instagram or something like that. Um, in fact, no, I didn't. I do have a video on it as well. I cut that seat. So anyway, so I'm going to be using a Novix Hilo and um, with one B stick, right? I sold my hockey Heliums. I went to ETAR, sold my hockey Heliums. Um, I didn't like them. Again, I've said it before. You probably heard it before. I don't like that they have folding steps. They have like, you know, six individual steps, you know, foot foot pegs or whatever per stick. Um, you open them, you know, clink, 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 clink. They make noise. Um, if you accidentally push one of them up while you're climbing, then you step on it again. Clink, you know, you redo that. It's just it's too much noise. Um, I, I didn't like carrying it all around and I like one stick climbing so I turned that one B stick I have into a one stick it's got a Harkin cam cleat with an amp steel rope um, with a 15 inch cableator now for me right everyone's going to say wow you're making too much noise you're making too much movement you know they're going to see you they're going to hear you all the stuff to me that is actually because I've done it last several years and I've, I've I'm like really good at it I don't rush it um, I take you know, as many smaller, quieter bites of the tree as I, as, as I can. I'm not trying to jump, you know, like six, seven, eight feet at a time because you just, you do make more noise and, and, and struggle around that way. But if you know how to climb with the thing and descend with the thing too, I'm not repelling. I'm just going to descend one stick. It's not a big deal. Um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use that. I can actually do that quieter and damn near quicker, honestly, just to the heights that I get up to 12, 14 feet, maybe 15 at the most, um, than I can with trying to deal with, uh, three sticks and all the straps with those sticks and all the little foot pegs with those sticks and trying to get them up and not make noise and clanking and all that stuff. It's just not worth it to me. It's not worth it. Um, some of you listening and be like, you're an idiot, Emra. There are three sticks that people have been using them forever. Yeah, I get it. But for me, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well or as fast or as quiet um, as me one sticking and the ones and it's, it's just it works out fantastic I love doing it um, and it's yeah you do have less to carry it's super light and it's it's not even the weight though it's it's the, the bulkiness of all those sticks and the straps and all that stuff I just have one thing to contend with and then my um, uh, my, my tree stand so uh, that's what I'm gonna do I did recently I don't think I've published it yet I did recently do a review on a, um, a top platform, a, a stick-mounted platform, the Out on a Limb uh, Scout. Solo, solo Scout? No, Scout, just a Scout. Uh, it bolts to the top of the B-Stick. It's like a 10-inch wide by 3-inch deep, I guess, platform. Um, you know, I thought, let me try just to see if for some reason I find the perfect tree and I get somewhere and I do want to just saddle hunt, right? I do, I do want to just climb up and just stand in a saddle and see if this is going to work for me. And you know, I went and tested it. I put it on there. It's it's a nice. It's 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 not it's not the um, the platform's fault, by the way. Um, it, it it bolts it bolts to the the B stick. I actually have to drill an extra hole because the holes did not align uh, on the on the platform that the existing holes are on the B stick, right? Even though I bought it saying it's supposed to match the B stick. So um, I ended up drilling that hole, quarter inch hole. Anyway, it mounted fine. Um, I got up. I tested it. And, you know, quickly I was like, okay, I'm re-convinced re that saddle hunting is not, it's just, you know, last year I convinced myself that it, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me. And then it just re-confirmed re uh, just the other day, actually, that it's not working for me because um, I just can't get into, if it's, if it's a mildly leaning tree, 
then already you're already at a discomfort. You're, it's hard to push off of. Um, again, if you had uh, multiple steps around the tree that you can kind of walk around or, or spread your legs a little bit more and kind of push pull and, and kind of steady yourself. But just off of one stick, it's, it's, it's not working. So I took, I'm going to, I'm going to sell it. So I took that platform back off. I'm going to, I put the other, uh, the normal beast top step back on and I'm just, I'm just going to, just going to go with that. So basically what I ended up with last season is what I'm going to go with. Um, uh, this season, I got rid of, like I said, the, the Hawk Heliums, the great sticks for, for people who want to use them. But for what I'm trying to do, and as close to bedding and uh, to deer as I'm trying to get, uh, it's it's it. they made way more noise, way more clunkiness than it was worth. And I said, nope, I'm just going to stick with what I know. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. So those bee sticks are awesome. Um, they grip the tree like I mean, they grip the tree like no other. I mean, it's just amazing. It's, it's, they're super strong. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend them. Uh, you can stealth strip, uh, you can stealth strip if, if, if you need to, obviously do, you know, you can stealth strip everything actually. And I recommend you stealth strip a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of contact points, a lot of rub points, right? We don't necessarily get into, need to get into that, but, um, but that's it. So that's, that's pretty much my system. I'm, I'm climbing with the, um, my my tacta saddle i'm still using the tacta saddle i would like to maybe switch to the new um the tbw podcast one you know the jason sam goviak designed um for uh, john tucker um it just has like the one kind of connection it doesn't have a bridge it's uh more like a standard harness but it's like a rock climbing harness that you wear but it's super light uh looks really well designed i don't necessarily need a bridge um since i'm not saddle hunting but um the, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm one stick climbing with my, with my saddle. And also when I'm in the tree, that is my connection. That is my, uh, my harness, uh, my connection to the, uh, uh, you know, via a tether to the tree. So, um, I've been using that in the last four years. I love it. It's, uh, easy to get into, easy to get out of. Um, you know, I'm using eight millimeter ropes basically for, um, for, uh, my, my tether and I've got a rope band one. So I've got two identical ones. One has a Prusik with a carabiner on it. And that's the one I'm actually climbing with and, and whatnot. Um, I have a second eight millimeter rope, same length. That one has a rope band one on it. That's to get around trees or if I do need to use it as a lineman's belt. Um, and if I need to get around tree limbs or, or transitioning from like below your stand to above your stand. Um, you know, I don't mind using the Rope Man 1 like temporarily to do that kind of stuff, uh, given that the Rope Man 1 also has a lot of adjustability for when you do need to use it purely as a lineman belt. Um, otherwise, no, any, anything I hang off of is, is purely the knots I've tied. Um, I don't, you know, I, I trust I trust my ropes, I trust my knots, um, I trust my Prusiks, all that stuff, and um, that's what I'm going to use. So, also, when we talked about the one sticking, right? Anytime you're getting in a tree, uh, we we did a um, was it last year? It was the last year? Did a couple a couple episodes with uh, with Kerry Gibson. Um, he is in Canada, right? Um, he's uh, married to uh, to Mindy, actually, who does uh, who builds all, all my strengths, St. Lawrence Traditional. We had a. Uh, a, a good pot yeah, we had two of them actually but the second podcast we did was about tree stand safety climbing safety and the ability for you to actually self-rescue should something go wrong like you drop the stick or or what have you whether you're one sticking or multi-sticking um you need to absolutely have 
a method of getting yourself down. If that means you you carry some some screw and steps with you, um, which are not the best option, by the way, they're hard they're hard to do. Um, then that's what it is to take the pressure off and then kind of move your if you're uh, you know tether down or whatever so you can get to your next stick or if you're one sticking like I am and you drop your stick uh, you need to be able to get down using. Uh, whatever methods like a self-recovery strap where you go around the tree you put your foot you know you put your foot in it you stand on it take the pressure off lower your tether sit back down lower your strap basically you're kind of inchworming your way down right go listen to that um, go listen to that episode of of different ways of getting yourself down because getting stuck in a tree um, last was it last year a year before uh, a saddle hunter guy you know died six feet off the ground uh, six feet off the ground because uh, no one was there to help him, and he had he either had a heart attack and couldn't get down, or he couldn't get down and had a, had a heart attack. I, I can't remember one of them, but either way, um, he couldn't self recover, and uh, it's you know just 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 a terrible thing. So um, make sure we're using our lineman belts. Make sure we're using our tethers properly. Use both if you can. Um, you know, just it's you, just because you want to get. Uh, in a tree fast or light or be super nimble and all that stuff um, you know you're not going to be super light and nimble if you're in a wheelchair okay so just keep that in mind all right so simplify your stuff Um, like I said I've gone through recently and I've kind of pulled out certain things out of my pack that I never really used last year like uh, for example I I always used to carry a multi-tool I had a uh, a Leatherman Wave or um, or some other multi-tool like always on me I never once used it uh, other than using the saw that's on there for trimming branches or uh, deadfall or, or, or things like that. So, and it's heavy and it doesn't really attach very well. And I'm like, well, this year I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm just taking my uh, my, my Swiss Army knife uh, hiker model, I believe it is. It's got a saw, it's got the blades, um, and it's going to be in my pocket on a dangler. And, uh, you know, that's also part of the self-recovery thing. Always have a knife on you while you're climbing or descending in case you need to cut yourself down. If you're stuck up there, even if you're 10, 12 feet, you know, 10 feet up or whatever it is, and your only option is to cut yourself free and fall and deal with that um, rather than die of suspension trauma, hey, uh, you might have to make that choice. So or if you get tangled up in something, uh, always have a knife like physically on your person. Okay, not just like oh it's in my pack and I'm gonna pull my pack up once I'm in the tree or once I'm in the stand. That's 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 not gonna work out so well. So, um, so anyway, so I, I got rid of the Leatherman. I'm not really tightening bolts or using the pliers for anything. Uh, the the Swiss Army knife has like the tweezers and stuff. If I need to pull a tick off of me, um, I don't I don't really need it for anything else out there. Now I do have. Uh, this this is not a replacement for my hunting knife. Um, you know, one pack has that uh, that knife from uh, Hiko Ito, uh, the EDC Skinner Light, which worked fantastic on um, on on that hog hunt, which I'm going to get to. And uh, my other pack has a it's another like cheap like Winchester branded uh, like like thirteen dollar knife I bought at Cabela's. Uh, you know, full tang, sharp as hell, um, and they just hang inside the pack. They're they're in there. So this is the the Swiss Army knife is not a replacement for my hunting knife. It's not the one I'm going to be dressing animals with or anything like that. It's just a second blade, a second knife, or whatever that I have with me. And I always have like another little mini smaller like tiny little pocket knife that you do like small game with that's always in my uh one of the pockets in my um in my in either one of my packs so um i've got so anyway so long point of that is i i I got rid of some stuff that i don't need mainly one of them being like uh like a full full size uh multi-tool 
I've never once needed it in the woods. I don't need it. And any any tool that I need off of that, I have in that smaller Swiss Army knife. Um, there's other there's other stuff in there too that I've kind of um, uh, minimized and. Um, other things that I went to, for example, like more baggies. I've got more like good, fresh baggies, right? Ziploc baggies uh, in a quicker, more accessible area for rain. Um, if you listen to the podcast I did with Jim Desias about our equipment and how soaked it got and the importance of keeping things dry. Um, if you rely on your phone like I do to get yourself, you know, for, for navigation or communication, obviously, whatever, uh, you'd, you know, you need to keep that thing dry. So now... It's like I know how quickly water can kind of migrate into your pack and into certain places. Uh, so if you have certain things that absolutely need to stay dry, then, you know, the lesson learned, right? You need to get that stuff into somewhere dry, like a, like a dry case or a dry, like an actual dry baggie uh, before it starts getting wet and that kind of thing. So I kind of rearranged a few things. Um, but, but you know, uh, not, not a ton. I didn't get rid of a ton of stuff, but um, I, I certainly, I've, I think I've whittled it all my everything down to the the, the minimalist uh, as I want to get while still be having backups and safety. So um, that's gonna kind of wrap up the, the the gear the gear part of this. Um, you know, again, the pack thing is a dilemma for me. I'd I'd rather take the uh, the door gunner. It's smaller. It's lighter. It's tougher. Um, you know, and and I might just end up doing that. You know, just just use that and then keep the the bigger pack in the uh, in in the car. Um, and then if I you know happen to shoot something, you know, on the rare occasion, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not laying animals down every weekend, guys. Obviously, right? So um, if it's the one time a year, maybe if I'm lucky that I have to hike all the way back out and hike all the way back in, um, I think that's kind of worth it. Then you know, instead of having to carry you know, way more stuff than I need, um, into there. We'll see, we'll see how it goes, but either one of those packs, uh, works out, works out well. It all depends if I'm going to be taking my, uh, uh, tree stand or if I'm going to go on the ground. I didn't mention that one, right? So I've got a leafy suit. I've got a ghillie suit. I prefer the leafy. Um, it's just easier to put on and off. The ghillie is, uh, kind of, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would like for, like for someone else to wear it and then like me actually look at them and see what it looks like, especially when the foliage starts to, uh, the foliage starts to go to go away. Um, you know, I have a feeling that it's going to just look like a big dark blob rather than a broken up outline. Like it's supposed to be, you know, like ghillie suits look great when there's a lot of like brush and foliage and stuff. But when that stuff goes away, I don't know, maybe it stands out more because it's such a, like a big blob. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but, um, you know, uh, take that and, or my, uh, my leafy or a ghillie and a, a stool and kind of walk around. I love hunting off the ground. Haven't had any success with it off the ground, but, um, that's the ultimate mobility, right? Then, then I, you know, I do that when I'm turkey hunting and I love it. I love being able to do that. Um, I, I would like to get a better, some sort of better chair that doesn't sink in. I mean, I've got those three legged, uh, tripod kind of stools and things like that. Um, but they sink into a lot, a lot of places I go are very muddy, very swampy, very mucky, and they sink in a lot. Now I saw, I've seen the, the like the Waldrop uh, pack seat re reviews. Th that thing looks amazing, obviously, but I don't really want to drop 225 some bucks right now. Um, I would, if I could, I'd buy that thing in a heartbeat, but I just, just don't have it right now. I'm not going to do that. Um, so maybe just looking for like a different seat that has, instead of like a three legged, uh, three legged, you know, legs on them that, that could sink in. 
um, maybe a stool uh, that has like more of a bar type uh, uh, set of legs. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it. I think we did that interview with uh, Paul McGarg with um, when he was talking about ground hunting, and he uses uh, I think an HS strut or something like that, um, like turkey seed or something. Uh, it folds up and it's got like bars for legs instead of like four little points or three little points and it's a little more surface area so you don't sink in as much and it's really low to the ground so i might actually actually look at something like that but um being mobile on the ground i really really want to try um you know give it a better better shot at that and kind of fine tune um fine tune that so um i think that's all i got that's all i got for the gear stuff now to kind of tie into the second part of this uh this episode here is just hunting philosophy in general, right? Um, <clears throat> we're going on a season, and, um, you know, I don't know what everyone's kind of situation is as far as how they, you know, how often they can get out, where they have to travel to, how many times a week or how many times a month or how many hours of mornings or middays or evenings or whatever. Um, <clears throat> my, my work situation, I work like six days a week. Uh, I work all weekend, right? 12-hour days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I work Thursday and Friday for, for my buddy. And I work uh, for my buddy and my real job on Wednesdays. I kind of split it. So Monday's like my only real day off. Um, I can change some of that around for my, my second, you know, quote-unquote fun job. But, um, you know, you still have the issue of, uh, you know, family, right? I mean, you've We've got, a, got an 11-year-old daughter who's in school. Got to be dropped off, picked up. Uh, wife, my wife's working. She's working, um, you know, till like like 6 o'clock or whatever uh, most days now. Um, so going into the season, you know, we really we really got to sit down and, and as, as a family and be like, okay, what are our schedules? What is, what's all the things that are coming up? And, you know, what can we work around? And I think on a grand scale, I guess your philosophy should be like, look, um, you know, family comes first hunting is fun. Um, take every opportunity that you can, right? I and mean, if that means you go out and you're only going to be out for like a couple hours midday, then go out and be out there for a couple hours midday. If you can get out every night, um, <laughs> you know, from a couple hours before, uh, before sunset till sunset every day of the week for three months straight, fantastic. I envy you. Good job. But you know, I, I I'm not, I'm not able to do that. So, um, talk about that stuff now, Okay, with the family, organize that stuff now and understand that like plans come up, things change, right? Um, you planned on, you know, maybe like your one day is set to be like, this is your hunting day uh, per week. And that's the one day that it works. And then you've got like storms rolling through or something. Okay, well, maybe you don't go out that day. You know, stuff happens. Uh, maybe something happens with, uh, oh, hey, we have a doctor's appointment or, hey, I, you know, I can't um, uh, get to this or get to that. We need to do this. Okay, that stuff happens, right? Um just work around it. Obviously, communicate better. Um, you know, just uh, you, you, you guys know what to do. So just the, now is the time to have those conversations and, and just understand you're going to have to be adaptable. Your season's probably long and um, just, just enjoy what's out there. Now, the other part of this, too, is when the opportunity comes back or, or comes to you, just take it. Take it if you can, right? Um, so this year... You guys know I went on a last-minute hog hunt back in June, and uh, and it wasn't a hunting trip, but I went to Etar, right? But archery, kind of uh, traditional archery-related stuff. So when these things come up, if you can, make it happen, right? Don't make excuses 
of, well, you know, maybe not this year. Oh, maybe I want to save a little more. Oh, maybe this, maybe that. I'm not saying like break your finances or, or um, you know, or like really upset your family or anything like that. But if something comes up like, hey, I got an opportunity to go hunt such and such. Can I go? Can we make this happen? Bring it up. Talk about it, right? All, all, all that can happen is, you know, it ends up being no. But jump on those last minute things and go like i mean i like i said i literally had like a few days uh to plan and prep and then drove down at the time of my life came back um <clears throat> shot a pig but it was it was great i mean it was a great opportunity it was it was a ton of fun and i'm glad i did it if i had said well you know it's not the best time or this and that then you're just kind of making excuses right jump on it do it commit to it and then make everything else kind of, uh, if, if, if you need to make up time for, I don't know, at work, if you need to make up time for something else, do it. Like, I'm not saying, like, don't shirk your responsibilities at home, um, you know, as, as a good, uh, you know, husband or, or wife or father or whatever. But just also understand that, like, these things can be worked around and just go ahead and do it. Because when you come back, you're going to be happier that you did, right? <clears throat> um, just like uh, if you're going to plan for things, too. Out-of-state hunts, right? And and I don't really consider... I mean, this was an out-of-state hunt, but I mean, you know, we were going to a, a known place. We we're going to stay in a hotel, things like that. It's not like I was planning a trip out west of the mountains into some unit that I've never been into um, <clears throat> and, and whatnot, right? So that's going to take a little more planning, right? I've never done that. I would like to do that. But planning your trips, you know, going to, to other states... Just go ahead, I think, from what I've learned from, like, my one kind of time kind of doing this last minute, and it's, again, it's a very, very, like, like small scale compared to what other people do, but just go ahead and do it. You'll, you'll figure it out, you know, get there, obviously, you know, you know learn the laws, learn the um, um, restrictions and that kind of stuff, but get out there and just make it work right? You're going to be glad you did. It's going to be an adventure. And if you're successful or not successful, it doesn't matter. You learned, you had, you had a ton of fun. Um, and, and honestly, when you, when you break down like the costs of doing, uh, doing things, you, you might, you might be surprised, right? So like I said, I went to this hog hunt in Georgia. It was about 20, no, it was about 2,200 miles total. Okay. Round trip. Then I went to ETAR at the end of July. Again, about 20, they were about the same. I think ETAR was about an hour or two closer to drive through, but they were about the same distance. Okay. Um, if you're worried about cost, start sa- start saving now, but then understand that like, okay, like I took my car, I got like 40 miles a gallon. If you're taking a truck or a Jeep or whatever, and you're getting like 18, 20, whatever, that's going to be different. Right. But understand that, um, these opportunities, they may not always come along. And if you keep like, um, uh, pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, you may never do it. And then you're going to be sad that you never did it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This trip was, to, sorry, both of those two trips, if they cost any more than 15 or $1,600 total, I'd be really, really surprised. Okay. Uh, that includes food. Now I didn't have to pay for tags or anything like that, but let, okay. So let's, let's break down the hog hunt, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, clearing my throat here. Um, let's break down the hog hunt. It was gas driving down and back. If it was over 250 bucks, I'd be surprised. Okay, it's probably closer to 200 or 220. Um, the hunt itself was like 
six six sixty, I think it was, and then we plus plus tipped him or whatever. So so say so say seven hundred bucks with um, uh, just just the you know being able to hunt on the property and stuff. <clears throat> Which is probably representative about of you know what you'd probably pay for an out-of-state tag if you're going to go hunt another state um, for whitetails. In fact, that's probably a lot, lot more money than you're going to pay for for certain tags with with other states. So keep that in mind. So let's say 700 for that, uh, 250 you know round trip for uh, for gas. We split a hotel room. It was a cheap Super 8, but we split a hotel room. Like my portion was like 105 bucks. Okay. Um, so where are we at? We had 700, uh, so we're like 950 plus, um, I don't know, incidental stuff plus let's say like Gatorade and water and food. Now f the food part, you're going to eat anyway, whether you're on the road or whether you stay at home. Now, when you stay at home, you're probably going to save a lot more money. Obviously, you're not going to spend as much money on the road, um, buying takeout or, or drive through or, or whatnot. But the point is, food is still going to be like a part of that. So under, understand that you're going to have to eat whether you're at home or you're not at home. So the trip to Walmart with the Gatorades and food and um, uh, waters and things like that, let's say another 50 to 75 bucks, right? Um, so we're, we're at maybe like over $1,000 at this point for just that trip alone. And that's it. We did go out to dinner one night, the, the, the second night that I got completely rained out. We went to like a brew pub kind of place, you know, a, a burger, you know, a burger and like a couple beers and you're like, let's just say 25 bucks, 30 bucks with tip, let's say. Right. So, but you don't have to have that. You can, you could, you know, <clears throat> you could take a cooler with you and, and make your own dinners and lunches and, and, and stuff like that. So anyway, so that's a thousand bucks, right? Maybe let's say 1100 on the very, 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 very high end. Okay. And then the ETAR trip. The ETAR trip was like 75 or 80 bucks or something like that for camping. I probably paid the same amount of money for um, gas that I did for going down to, to Georgia. I paid, so let's just say, under 250 bucks. So we're at what? Uh, we're 1,000 plus another, let's say, 250, 1250, 13. Let's say we're at like 13, 1350, okay? Uh, food as well. I took all my food. I uh, didn't really buy any food down there. Took all my food with me. I, we know we did camping and stuff. I bought really cheap stuff from Walmart. Made it in a little jet boil, not a jet boil, like an MSR kind of uh, uh, little little stove. So food for for that, God, it couldn't have been more than fifty bucks. We're at like fourteen hundred dollars at this point, um, and that's really it. I didn't really spend any other any other money. That well, I, I bought arrows, but I sold them. But you know, and you bought, I bought a T-shirt and stuff like that. But I mean, that's that's different. Right? That's stuff that you're going shopping for. As far as actually going there and having fun and having the time of your life and um, uh, you know, spending the you know, spending a few days uh, doing something that you love, right? We weren't hunting, but I mean, damn, you know, it's it's the next best thing. Um, that was like fourteen. Like I said, I'm gonna say. 50 okay and then and then tolls so we probably paid about i'm gonna say because i took the turnpike i took um uh all the tolls through you know through chicago around chicago indiana turnpike ohio turnpike um <clears throat> pennsylvania i didn't take the turnpike so figure round trip on tolls tolls they get you on those man the, the interstate 80 90 i mean they really ram it to you hard um so it's it's going to be about i'm going to say like round trip about 80 80 bucks in tolls um maybe even a hundred. I'm not sure if it, if it touched a hundred or not, but long story, we're like $1,500 for two trips, $1,500 for a hog hunting trip, which I could have come back with theoretically, right? We could have shot three hogs. That's, that's what the, the limit was. I ended up shooting one, but, um, 
you know, a, a hunting trip with animals plus a trip to Etar uh, among, you know, among your, your tribe, basically two trips in a summer. And that's $1,500, $1,500 bucks to have like two awesome trips with two awesome memories. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and that's really nothing. I mean, or you could spend that money and spend a week out West with, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think like elk tags and things like that are going to be a lot more. The, that alone is going to be a thousand bucks. But my point is, you can take these little kind of side trips. Um, you can take little hunting trips, go camp out, go hang out with friends, go hang out with, you know, stay, stay, stay somewhere cheap, stay in your car. If you have, if you can camp out, camp out in your car or truck or whatever, do that. You can do it. You can go do this stuff and save up for a little bit. And it's, it's not as expensive as you think it's going to be. It's not going to be as, um, um, I think we, we tend to make it a lot more like, oh man, I really can't afford this or I really can't afford that. If you save a little bit, you can do it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> stop spending money on stupid stuff. Stop spending money on stupid gear. Uh, and again, I'm one to talk, but, uh, stop spending uh, money on things that you're just going to turn around and sell and lose money on. Again, I'm one to talk, but you can make the stuff happen. You can make memories happen. And if you, you know, if, if you, let, let's put it this way, if you are limited on time, like locally, right? Like I am, um, <clears throat> it sounds kind of strange to say, but you may be better off taking, let's say, a week off or three or four days off, right? As, as a chunk, one time or twice, let's say, like twice throughout like the hunting season and go do like little mini trips. And then maybe that can like satiate your, uh, your you know, your, your desire, the desire to go hunt. If you can't go like every week, you know, like I would love to go a couple times a week, every week for the next three months, right? Four months. If you can't do that, well, maybe kind of look at it a different way and say, well, I'm just going to take, you know, if I can take some PTO, take some vacation, work it out with the family, or maybe bring the family along on a, you know, overall kind of vacation too, while they do their thing. Uh, and you do, you do like one, you know, three day, four day hunt and another three day, four day hunt. And think of it, think of it that way. Maybe that's a better way of planning your hunting season even if you can't hunt every week, you've got two kind of trips planned and their adventures and they're, you know, you're going to, you're going to make all kinds of memories from that. So I don't know, just something to think about, just something to think, to philosophize about going into uh, in, in a hunting season here. So I know seasons have started for a lot of you guys. I'm going to kind of wrap this up here. It's been an hour. I didn't want this to be like super long. Um, this is just kind of a short just uh, my, my thoughts going into uh, in, into hunting season for 2023 kind of thing. So um I guess the biggest takeaway is make sure your gear squared away. Make sure all your safety and your, your self-recovery and all that equipment is squared away. Super important. Um, plan at home. Plan with the family. Plan at work. Adapt. And then just go have fun. Right? Go have fun with whatever gear you have, whatever equipment you have. Get out in the woods and do it. If it's not the latest and greatest, so what? right? You can still go out, walk around, uh, people shoot stuff, just, you know, stumbling accidentally into deer, uh, all, all the time. I'm not one of those guys apparently, but it happens all the time. Just go out, spend time in the woods. You're always going to learn something. And then, um, you know, take, take those trips, make those memories, plan for them. Um, I'm planning for a bear hunt next year. I'm saving for a bear hunt and I'm really torn again between, uh, do I, I'm also saving for a motion stick from uh, St. Patrick Lake, but, you know, part of me is like, do I really need to spend money on another bow that I really don't need? Uh, or can I, can I take that money that I've been saving and put it toward a, 
another hunt, another like a hunting trip. I don't know. I'm, 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 I might be leaning toward the hunting trip to be honest, guys. So as much as I love new shiny bows, um, this, this year has really kind of taught me like, Hey, you can have a lot of bang for your buck in uh you know for for not much money so anyway that's it if you like this episode uh please like share and subscribe um and also go check out the youtube channel i know i ask ask you guys to do this all the time but i really appreciate if you go click on those uh videos that i have that are not that don't have me drawing a bow um i've got reviews on packs i've got reviews on knives for example um and those get absolutely like youtube just does not want people to see those they put you in your own little niche and if you stray at all from that little niche uh it doesn't distribute it at all it's 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 crazy um so i need the views and i need the you know the because that's what kind of kickstarts like algorithms and stuff so um that that'd be tremendously helpful because i do have a review on I've got, a, I've got a good one on knives, uh, just like we were talking about here about what do you really need. Um, there's a really good video I did, uh, if I do say so myself, on what knives you really need to take into the woods and what you really don't. Do you really need certain ones? Uh, what are the pros, cons uh, of each one of them? So go check that one out. I'd really appreciate that one. Uh, speaking of knives, obviously, uh, go check out um, Hiko Ito Knives, right? That EDC Skinner lights, the one I'm, uh, uh, I, I used on that hog hunt, it worked great. I'm going to use it this year. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to actually use it this year. Uh, go, go check that out. And then, obviously, go check out the, uh, the courses from the PUSH, the PUSH Archer Center of Knowledge. Um, <clears throat> I'm more than halfway through. I kind of stopped for a while because I just got too busy doing other stuff. Uh, through the, uh, the, the, the bow hunter, um, uh, the, the, God, I always forget the title, but the tuning for the bow hunter course amazing stuff in there super cool stuff that you never really thought about um it, it's it's going to be well worth your time so go 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 check that out go check out the other courses and stuff so anyway um if your seasons have started i hope you guys have had success and going in if you haven't started yet like mine um I, I wish you success going in i hope you guys wish me success and i'm really looking forward to it so that's it i'm gonna stop babbling thanks for listening guys um i will talk to you next time thanks